Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mealmanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans and I am super happy to be here with you today and do a clinic debrief on Spokane or uh, more accurately Creston, Washington. Um, we recently just did a four-day clinic at the Creston Equine Center and another amazing clinic. You know, we've been going to Washington now since 2016 and and uh oh man you know some of these folks they've been coming every year since then you know some of these folks that were here and you know like uh you know vicky lawson uh, she's been a she's been on the podcast i can't remember which episode number it is but it was uh i don't know probably somewhere around the 60 or 70 mark maybe i'm way off i don't know um but anyways she was a she was a guest on here last year when we were at this clinic and but you know folks like her and uh, many others they've been coming every year since we've been coming to Washington many of these folks it's been it's their fourth fifth years and it makes a big difference we get a lot done when you know there's there's repeats like this uh, we get a lot accomplished and that makes it really fun for me I love to see the progress you know a lot of these clinics where I come and I you know, I kind of just get to a certain level, and uh, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I just work with the people from wherever they're at, too. Um, but, you know, there's so much, you folks, that I, I just, I'd love to share with you. There are so many things I'd love to share. Um, but, you know what, I have so much respect for this uh, process. I have so much respect for making the bridal meal and the time it's, it takes, both mentally and physically, um, you know, that I'm just not going to rush it just to to move on to the next step. You know, I'm not going to push it um, if, the, if they're not ready. You know, I'm trying to prepare the body, trying to prepare the mind of the mule. <clears throat> and that takes time, it's for sure. So, you know, I want to give a shout out to the Crescent Equine Center um, for letting us come back. Uh, Rachel and Travis, they are just amazing. You know, last year, this time last year, um, you know, I had clinics canceling left and right because of the COVID. Clinics canceling left and right. Everything falling apart. And, you know, um, the clinic in Creston, which was originally supposed to be in Spokane, you know, where we where we were originally going to have it, they canceled. They didn't want to do it there, but we still wanted to do it. And so we tried to move it. We moved it to another location. And uh, that location we moved it to a week before I show up, they say, hey, you can't come. At least the, the previous place had given us a few months in advance, but this place that we were booked, they said, nope, you can't come. And that put me into a panic. I mean, it's a week away. I mean, I'm 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 basically headed that way, you know. And so we panicked, and uh, I called. I mean, I kid you not. I called dozens and dozens of fairgrounds, private facilities, public facilities, all kinds of places in Washington, um, especially eastern Washington ma mainly. And everybody would tell me no, 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 no. And I finally got a referral to the Question Equine Center um, and uh, give them a call. And Rachel said, heck yeah, come on up. You know, and she hosted us last year. And, uh, you know what, it was just amazing. And I, you know, I really appreciate, um, folks that are 
that are willing to help somebody out like that. I mean, we were in such a bind, and everybody's saying no, and looking like I was going to have to cancel that clinic last minute last year. And they said yes, and so we went, and it was great. And, you know, Rachel and Travis, they run it on their own, just a small, you know, mom-and-pop facility, um, you know, and they're just super, super great. They take great care of us. So thank you, Rachel and Travis and the Creston Equine Center. So, well, let's get to this debrief. Um, you know, this these debriefs have been really good for me, and um, I don't know if they've been good for you, um, but sometimes it's good for me to get some of this stuff out. It's been good for me to talk about some of these things that happen at the clinic, and, you know, I understand that sometimes uh, I'm not the best storyteller for you, and I'm not the best... Uh, you know, uh, presenter in a way that, you know, makes it super, I don't know, super educational, th these debriefs. But you know what? Me being able to talk about some of the stuff that happens and me being able to kind of let some of this go and tell you about it from from my point of view. Uh, I, get to, I get to do these debriefs from my point of view. And so you get a little... I guess you get a little context of what it's like to be me, um, you know, what it's like from my eyes. And uh, it's, been, it's been good therapy for me. Let's just put it that way. It's been good therapy for me to talk about this stuff. Um, because some of this stuff, you know, you're, I guess, uh, you know, your average trainer, your average clinician, um, they might not want to tell you because uh, it's not always great. It's not always like... Um, it's not always so romantic, I guess, uh, being a clinician and doing this stuff. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes, um, you know, it's disappointing. But there's also amazing moments and amazing people that just make it worth it, you know. At the end of each clinic, Sky always asks me, who was the one? Because we kind of decided that... Um, it seems like every clinic, you know, a lot of folks come and a lot of people get a lot of information. But who was the one that made it worth it for me, you know? And I keep that to myself. I don't share that. I'm not going to really share that here. Because um, at this particular clinic, I'm not really sure who the one was. I'm not really positive. But we, we always like to think, who was the one? Like, who who did God send us here to help like there's somebody there's a reason we got put in this spot at this time in this place with these people with these mules i'm here to help somebody specific and i always want to know who the one is um so i'm going to go through a few people and maybe you guys can help me decide who the one is and we, we may never know but um let's start with the groundwork um at this clinic we had three classes we had foundation Mulemanship 1 and Mulemanship 2. Right off the bat, um, our friend Chris uh, lost the mule she was working with. Now, she had volunteered to work with a mule named Rose uh, for a participant that was injured right before the clinic. So, you know, some people get injured, maybe they get hurt, and, and they just either don't show up or they cancel or whatever. But this gal, Deb is her name, uh, she says, no, I want to go, and I want my mule to go. And so she posted on our Facebook group. And those of you that don't know, we have a Facebook group that you're welcome to join if you're interested in this type of mulemanship. 
called Ty Evans Mealmanship Clinics. And and uh, it's a great group of people, and you'll see why right here. But So Deb posted, hey, I need some help. Um, I would really like my mule to go through the class. Um, I want to audit still, but I need somebody to take the mule through. And so Chris Hungelman, um, she had been to a clinic years ago when I did the one over on Whidbey Island uh, in western Washington. And Chris said, hey, I'll do it. So she shows up, and I, I don't know that Chris knew what she was stepping into because uh, this Neil Rose just didn't didn't know much about leading, definitely, definitely not broke to lead, um, and just pulling Chris around everywhere. Got loose multiple times. Um, <clears throat> so I had to help Chris. Um, you know, the, the very first day that Mule's dragging her around. So I go to help her. And, and just the day before, last Tuesday, I was shoeing Sky's Mule. And um, just before I crimped off a nail, uh, Cupcake gave the, her, her hoof a little jerk, kind of trying to pull it from me, and stuck that nail right in my hand, right in the meaty muscle below the thumb. And so it's a, it, it's a pretty bad, pretty bad cut. So I got my hand all bandaged up, and I'm trying to help Chris with her mule rose, or Deb's mule rose, rather, and the mule dragging me around. And um, trying to do it one hand, it was quite, it was quite the, quite the challenge, you know. But I helped her for a little bit, got drug around, and you know, there's some, there's some kind of, there's some kind of thing going on this year. I don't know what it is. It's some kind of thing, but you know, we keep going to these clinics lately, and. You know, these buckskin done mules, it seems like it's always a buckskin done that's bolting away from me. Uh, just lately, it's like, oh, the last four clinics, a buckskin done. And uh, we always like to joke about buckskin duns. Um, you know, and Sky and I were training for the public a lot. Anytime somebody would unload a buckskin done, I'd say, oh, no. And <laughs> because I had, I've had so many of them that were trouble. Now, this is not any training advice I'm giving you. This is not clinician advice I, i'm just telling you it seemed like every every other mule we had that was a buckskin give us a lot of trouble and and it's funny this spring the same type of thing has kind of surfaced now don't get me wrong <laughs> you know today and i'll talk about this in the whitehall debrief but today red mule bolted away and uh sky would always dare me she said you know what why don't we just get why don't you raise a buckskin done mule and just see if you have all the problems that you do you know, when you're with all these ones, you get in for training. And folks, I did all kinds of research fig- trying to figure out how come all these buckskin done mules I'd get in for training became such a challenge. And at first, I thought, you know, well, maybe it's something genetically that, you know, something, you know, I, I don't know. And then I thought, well, maybe it's something to do with the type of people that own a buckskin done. Like, do, do the type of people, is there some similarities there? No, not really. Okay, you know, and and we just started to break it down, and f- pretty soon I figured out, you know what? It's just in my head. It seems like every, you know, I, I kind of set it up when I see a buckskin done, you know, I, I prejudge. And <laughs> like, oh, you're going to have problems there. And um, it's in my head now. But uh, just a funny side note, just so you guys listen, somebody's listening to this, like, dude, what's you talking about? Hey, I'm, I'm mostly joking. I'm mostly joking here about the buckskin mules. Nonetheless, Rose was a buckskin done and bolted bad all week long but little by little chris worked at it and here's the deal with them bolters and you guys have heard me talk 
my goodness, every just about every week about a bolting mule uh, or a bolting horse. I mean, over and over, right? You know, the key, the key, and Chris did a really good job with this, but the key is, is to say, is to stay just this side of trouble and not, don't push the mule too far into, into the stress. Don't push them too, too far into the stress that they feel the need to flee the scene. So you got to stay just this side of that trouble. And, but at the same rate, you, you got to, you got to arouse them a little bit. You can't leave them down in the, you know, the dull, the, uh, you know, you know, totally weighed down in that parasympathetic nervous system where they're just, you know, rest and digest. You, you got to bring them up a little bit, just a little bit into that sympathetic nervous system, and then back down into the parasympathetic. And little by little, it, it gets better. And Chris did a great job with this, and she learned how to balance that out. Sometimes she did too much, too much flag, and Rose just says, bye-bye, I'm out, and would, would get away. And, uh, you know, by the end of the clinic, she had things together. So good job, Chris. I don't know that Chris listens to this podcast, but Chris, good job. The next I want to talk about is a uh, mule named Red and a man named Butch. And this was also in the groundwork class. Now, Butch and Red had quite the issue going. Uh, Red was the type of mule that would just walk over the top of Butch. Like, just... Like, Butch does not matter. Him being there, his presence means nothing, and he is simply a doormat to walk over. And, you know, the first couple of days, three days, uh, old Butch had a, he had a tough time. In fact, on, I think it was day two or three, day two or three, um, you know, Butch got kicked in the hand. And, you know, I've talked a lot in the, in the groundwork that, hey, you know what, you're, if you're in the right position, you're, you're not going to get kicked, you know. Um, if you keep the mule in the right frame, you're not going to get kicked. But, you know, anytime you're doing that groundwork, if that nose goes to the outside and that hip comes to the inside, you are just prime to get kicked. And that's what happened. He got kicked in the hand. Was having a heck of a deal. Because he's trying to get Red to do a little bit more. And, and this is... <sighs> Butch is like, I didn't know I had an issue. I didn't know I had a problem. But as we were talking... You know, Butch realized that he never really asked his mule to do anything. And that happens a lot. People will say, my mule's never done that before. And I'll ask, well, have you ever asked your mule to do something like that before? Like, you know, usually, um, well, in this, in this case, when Butch got kicked, you know, he was just trying to get Red to go in a circle, just a centered circle. The second step of the groundwork. I mean, pretty basic stuff. And that mule didn't want to move for him. Mule says, no, you don't drive me. You don't move me kicked to, uh, you know, basically as a block, basically to, you know, kicking in, with the hinds is a, is a flight response. It is a fleeing response. So it's kind of, sometimes they'll kick last, you know, their last ditch effort to defend themselves. Um, they'll kick, you know, and this is kind of what happened. It ain't like the mule, you know, wants to hurt Butch. They're not capable of that, but the mule was kicking and what seemed as the mule just being irritated and not wanting to go, um, which is definitely a small part of it. The mule didn't want to go. The mule didn't want to be driven, especially not by Butch. That mule says, no, 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 Butch, no, you don't, you don't move me. And was having a heck of a time with that. Um, but really, it, it's not a pre-planned 
um, I'm going to kick you and make it hurt. They're not capable of that. You know, they're, they're physically not capable. They don't, they don't have that part of their brain that is in charge of that abstract thought. But so I went over there to help Butch and I go to move this mule and sure enough, the mule kind of brings its hip to me, takes its nose away from me, gives, gives a kick, misses me barely, and then kind of humps up to do another one. And, you know, at that moment, I just drove the hip away and just, I mean, I, I hustled up. I mean, I was trying to save myself right there and I drove the hip away. And, you know, you, you got to get your mules in a frame of mind where you can ask them questions. They need to be able to be asked questions and feel good about that question being asked okay it's not it's not me trying to make them do something it's not me trying to you know just let them do something i want to ask them a question i'll set it up and i'll help them find it okay but some of if they're not used to this then they'll just put up a little fight you know in in the case of butch and red red was just treating butch like you know hey man you're just another horse. You're just another mule. You don't move me. And, um, yeah, I was a little troublesome there. So, but you know, little by little old Butch worked through it. And, um, you know, an important lesson, I'm not going to dive in too deep on some things that Butch is going through. You know, um, he's got some, some things he's working through, um, health wise. And he talked to me about it later on because sometimes he would kind of as I'm trying to talk to Butch about some of these things and trying to help him and trying to talk him through this, it's, it was as if sometimes he froze up a little bit. And um, he talked to me later, like, hey, man, just so you know, this is kind of what's going on. I'm sorry I kind of froze up there, you know, in class when you was asking me that or, you know, when, when you wanted me to do that. But he kind of told me some things that are going on. And, you know, folks, you, you just never know what is going on in somebody's life. And, and this is hard for me because everybody shows up to class and I know a lot of you, but there's a lot of you I don't know. And, you know, I just try to treat you all um, like a great human being. Like you're just an amazing person. I try to treat everybody that way. I don't always get it done. And sometimes I forget. Um, but I try. Because you guys just never know what people are going through behind the scenes. You, you don't know what people are dealing with. And um, it's amazing the folks that will show up with with amazing pain um, you know, like I mentioned in my, in my uh, clinic debrief last week, last week we had somebody show up that had broken a knee recently and somebody show up that showed up that, uh, you know, had a torn hamstring, you know, we got broken fingers, we got broken bones, we got broken arms and we got, we got things that, that happen. And it's amazing what people will go through and just take it and, and other big issues. You know, I've had, um, I remember one lady last year, so inspirational, and this is a different, I'm getting a little off topic, I guess, but, you know, I just have a tremendous respect for everybody that's willing, willing to keep going, even though life can get tough. Life can get tough. I have, you know, I was out to, I was out to uh, Virginia last year, and, you know, the day before the clinic, you know, the, the, this, this gal was going through things, um, you know, doing her chemo for her, her colon cancer that she had. And then she, so she went through, she did the chemo the day before the clinic and then she comes out and she does the clinic. I mean, tough as nails, you know, tough as nails. And, um, I can't wait to see her again. You know, I hope she's going to be there this year and, uh, I get people with, um, also 
trauma mentally that you know they've been through wreck now they're they're physically healed there ain't a broken bone there ain't torn muscles but they've had trauma but yet they will push through it and get something done um and and work through it and they come for sincere help and so i'm just telling you guys whatever you have going on in your life hey i respect you and, and butch you know with everything you got going on in your life um with the things you're dealing with um thank you for doing your best and I hope your hand gets healed up. Um, now the next couple that I'd like to talk about, this is the first time I've met these folks, um, Kyle and Andrea. And I have never had, at least in my memory, um, which is short, very short term memory, um, I have never had anybody show up to a clinic with a horse, mule, and a donkey. And if you have, all at once in one clinic, then send me an email and remind me that you have done that. But I thought that, that Kyle and Andrea, they were the first folks to come with horse mule and a donk, um, which was pretty cool, you know, because, you know, and their names were Ruthie was the horse, Gretchen was a mule, and Guy was a donk. I thought Guy, I thought that was a great name for a donkey guy, you know. Um, but, you know, there's so much crazy myth about out there about how, you know, you have to train mules so different, and you have to train horses so different, and you have to train donkeys so different. And there's folks trying to sell you on stuff, telling you how how different it is, and you have to have this this thing to train a horse, and you have to have this thing to train a mule. And you you know, this is the only way you train donkeys. And you know what? It was amazing to see how how all these principles that we teach, and this style really, which is buckaroo style horsemanship. And mulemanship, or donkmanship, if you're riding a donkey, um, you know, it, it's all the same. You know, the principles apply. The principles don't change. You know, um, and that's what we're trying to teach folks: is that this process and this principle, these principles, um, they apply to all equine. You know, and if you set it up right, it works. You know, when Tom Dorrance says, you know, he said you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. I think that is just brilliant. And, you know, better yet, donkeys. I think donkeys are the best teacher for equine. I think, you know, if you can if you can get along and be successful with a donkey, you can be successful with anything, with anything, because the donkeys illustrate um, the most baseline um, dynamics of equine. Like, you know, make the right thing easy the wrong thing difficult. You know, the donkey makes you make the right thing easy. If you're not making it easy, the donkey ain't going to do it, folks. <laughs> they ain't going to do it. Um, you know, if if you're doing too much repetition or, or drilling and not enough reward and you're not showing them that they're on the right track, they ain't going to do it. If you're just wanting to go round and round in arena and doze off and ignore it, they ain't going to do it. If you just want to poke down a trail and kind of ignore the donkey and sit there like it's a like a dude horse, uh, they ain't gonna do it. You know they they need they need more stimulation than that. They need more um, you know mental engagement than that, and they need above all more comfort. You know the mule, the horse, the donkey, they will do anything um, in their capabilities to be comfortable. That is their number one goal. They have to have comfort above everything. And in my experience, comfort comes uh, for that mule, that horse, that donkey, it comes before food. It comes before reproduction. Because if they're not comfortable, they're not going to eat. 
you know you've seen you've all seen a, a equine of any kind when it's stressed not eat not drink um, reproduction you know if they're stressed they're not gonna they're not gonna reproduce you know th these these horses these donkeys um, they ain't gonna do they ain't gonna you know uh, reproduce if 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 they're stressed out and you know that comfort has to come first you know and it's the same in really um, with any prey animal you know they you know it could be the same thing with deer with elk you know we got a few biologists here and I was kind of mentioned that today and they're like yeah and other head yeah I mean the same thing if if the deer are constantly getting stressed elk are constantly getting stressed they're gonna have issues with those same things and you know with the mules um, if we can and the donkeys and these horses if we can really focus on making the right thing easier then we'll get some stuff done so you know it's funny Andrea shows up and I've had a lot of people come that say hey I'm a beginner and usually what they mean they mean like yeah I've ridden a little bit um you know I know how to saddle one and I you know I know I can ride but you know just a beginner meaning they haven't had a lot of time into it but Andrea shows up she says I am a complete beginner I have never caught a mule I have never fed a mule I have never brushed a mule and she was just so upfront about it um but I will say this about beginners and especially Andrea they get stuff going quickly they have no bad habits um it's easier to get a beginner like Andrea that has never done anything it's easier to get her going and doing these things than somebody that has been riding for 40 50 years um that has all the experience they've been around mules for years and years and years it's easier to get this beginner going on a lot of these these principles and a lot of these moves um they don't have any bad habits it's amazing footwork you know through the groundwork it's like dancing really and uh, you know the riding work i mean they just pick it up and andrea really did a great job she did the groundwork class with her mule gretchen and did a great job kyle did the foundation class with uh with uh, his donkey guy and then he rode um ruthie his horse in the mulemanship one so good job kyle and andrea now the other thing that come up in the groundwork class i got a lot of groundwork stuff to talk about but was uh, a fellow named george and his mule tremors i have never had a mule in class named tremors like like as an earthquake tremors and oh my gosh this mule was just running george over on top of him uh you know i was worried about george the first day it was not looking good um you know and the second day tremors was again all over him pushing him around to the point where it was going to be dangerous and so i took a hold of tremors and i had to i had to firm up a bit basically you know a lot of times some of my mentors you know like if you ask them hey how do i you know get my get my mule or my horse to not be pushy anymore to not run me over they would say well don't let them like like that's the answer don't let them push you and it seems so simple um and it seems like a no-brainer but no really don't let them so i took a hold of this lead rope for george and this meal was i mean it's the kind of take its head up in the air and just slam you body slam you with its chest and just push through you you know and, and a mule that's a little bit like that it's on the dangerous side I mean, you guys can get hurt. I mean, 1,000 pounds running you over, that is not going to go good for you. 
you ain't going to make it. And so I took a hold of the lead rope and right off the bat, I got that thing off of me and, you know, basically just blocking with the lead rope. So I take my lead rope straight down and make a little wave in that lead rope, which would kind of block the mule, kind of bump them on the halter and that'd get them off. But, you know, I had to firm up, get that mule back. It was, it was just going to run me right over too. And, and I worked with it for about 10 minutes and, um, boy, I, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. One of the, one of the pushiest I've seen in quite a little while. Um, I've only seen a couple others lately that would be up there with this one and really pushy, but I got after it there and, and I helped him and he just needed help get redirecting that mule. So I spent that 10 minutes and handed the mule back and, you know, the rest of the time, uh, it was good. And I usually, I really don't like to work your mules in the clinic because I think the clinic is for you to learn. This is not a training clinic to train the mule or to train the horse or train the donkey. This is a clinic for you to learn how to do this stuff. So uh, to me, it's really important that you do it. But when I see a little bit of danger, sometimes I'll step in and help out like that. And I'm glad I did because he was fixing to get just just creamed there for sure. Um, And, uh, you know, but he kind of took the example. I said, hey, man, you just you really can't let them. You know, you got to keep you got if they're really pushy and they want to run you over like this, you know, hey, you, you got to keep them off of you. Like you got to keep that distance. That distance is your safety. That that cushion of air between you and the mule, that's what's keeping you safe. And you need to you need to use that, utilize that. And anyways, he kind of picked up on that. And you know, the last two days he was great. He he did a really good job. And um, yeah, I was, you know, pretty impressed with him. So good job, George. Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find him on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, uh, the next person I'd like to mention on this episode is Robert Eversall. Now, Robert is a, uh, he's our host for this clinic and he does a great job and Robert's a good friend. I mean, he's just a a cool guy and um, he brought a mule named Coco and Coco, when he got here to the clinic, he only had six rides. So Robert did rides seven, eight, nine, and 10 at the four day clinic here. And um, doing a great job, uh, you know, just dealing with all the regular cult stuff that he did, you know, that a fellow needs to deal with. And, um, we got talking about transitions a little bit and, you know, when, when I start cults, I like to walk, trot, lope the first five minutes of the first ride, uh, definitely. And then I like to walk, trot, lope for the first 100 rides. At least, I mean, I'm not saying I got to lope circles. I just want to be able to go through the transition. And this is important to me because the number one thing that people have trouble with is anything to do with forward motion, which stops, have to do with forward motion, turns have to do with forward motion, pretty much everything has to do with forward motion. So, you know, you got to get forward motion. And, um, and I like to establish this early on. So we were talking, Robert said, hey, you know, I'd really like to lope while you're here in Crest. And I'd really like to get that done. I said, yeah, we're going to lope uh, tomorrow, you know, we'll work on that. And. Um, so Robert gets to 
working on these transitions, and it's his turn to lope. And he is kicking for all his life as much as he can. He's trying to get this mule to lope. His body's forward. He's, he's intentional. He's trying. He's trying. He's trying. But we're just in this small indoor arena. And, you know, there's quite a few people in there. It's, it's busy. And um, he can't get her to lope. But, my gosh, Robert set, I swear, Robert set the new record for the fastest trot of all time. This mule is an Icelandic mule. So I can almost guarantee you that it can it can it can probably walk and trot faster than it can run anyways. But nonetheless, we know it can lope. We've seen it loping. You know, he's he's seen it loping in the pasture many times, so it ain't like the the mule can't lope. They can all do it. But you know, I um you know, we, we tried that day and and um you know, I don't like I really don't like you guys to make them lope. Like I really don't like you to kick the ribs out until they lope. I I just I'd like to have a little bit more, you know, a little bit more effort from them for that. Um, so I, I mentioned that to him. I said, hey, you know what? Why don't you just work on that trot today, get a, a, a good trot and build that and be able to hold that trot without having to kick and kick and kick so much, you know. And so he worked on that a little bit. The next day comes, and again, it's his turn to lope, so we're working on the loping. And, and he's having, a, again, a heck of a time getting this mule in. And I, uh, into the lope, and I really d- just don't want him to get into this boxing match with this mule. So, this is what I suggested to him. And if any of you have ever dealt with trying to get your mule to lope in the round pan or in the arena, you know, I I told him to either a if he's going to do it in the arena, to do it by himself. You know, he had uh, his wonderful wife Celeste there with her Icelandic horse named Minnie, and um, this wasn't really helping Robert's cause because you know. Coco, his mule, wanted to just be by the uh, the Icelandic horse Mini, his pal, right? Her pal. So, anyways, I said, okay, hey, you know, a, you need to work on these transitions by yourself when you can have the arena to yourself, or b, um, you know, and this is this is my suggestion for a lot of you, if you got the confidence, is to lope them while you're out on the trail, like. Find a, I like a, a big wide open with a, a gradual uphill. It, it's a really easy way to get them to lope, um, you know. And if you, like I said, if you have the confidence and if you think you have a decent enough handle on them at the walk and the trot, well, then work at that lope when you're out. It'll be easier because the mule will have that natural drive. It'll have the natural pull, um, you know, out there on the trail. You'll have a little more life out on the trail. Sometimes it's hard to get that life up in the you know, arena. And especially if there's a lot of people in there where you feel crowded because like I was telling Robert, you know, hey, your body was, you know, you were kicking there and your your shoulder your shoulders are forward, you're riding, you want to you want to lope, but you know, as you're coming up behind somebody, you're thinking, "Oh, don't run into them." Oh, oh, don't don't get in their way. Oh, watch out for them. Oh, watch out for that. And every time you do that, while you're trying to build this lope, that's going to hold you back. And um so I give him those two, two suggestions and I hope he keeps working at it, but it was it was fun to see his progress. You know, last year he used Coco in the foundation class. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of good last year. But, you know, you guys, I just love showing up to these clinics and seeing the progress you've made since the last time I was there. I love that. And um, so good job, Robert. Keep up the good work. I'm proud of you, buddy. Good job. Okay. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned this a little bit about the donkeys. But, um, you know, 
there's a, another gal there named Andrea, and she had a donkey named Buster. And Buster was really timid of the other animals. He was very intimidated when they'd come near him. Um, and then also Buster had no desire to go. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, uh, you know, about uh, the other donkey in the groundwork class. And, um, you know, and this is in mulemanship one or dunkmanship one for Andrea. But, you know, this donkey named Buster, you know, these donkeys, they, they really need to see a reason why. And what what happens, what's happening here with this with this donkey a little bit was Andrea would kick and kick and kick um, and and sit there and, and the whole time trying to keep the donkey going, kicking, 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 kicking the whole time. And then finally Andrea wants to stop, so she stops kicking and the donkey stops. So... We've basically done the opposite of what we need to do. See, I want to be able to go and not kick. All right, I, I like to just get in there with my legs, help the animal get out, not to hold it. I don't want to have to kick the whole time going down the trail, and then definitely don't want to let off the kicking. Just have them stop. You know, I'd like there to be other things to get them to stop. So, um, rather you know, rather than just to not kick, right? So. We worked through this, and you know these donkeys—they really got to see a reason why, and you got to make it easy for them to want to go through this. Now, all donkeys—they can walk, they can trot, they can lope. I've had some great donkeys, um, you know, come to the clinics that can do some great things, and you know, a few of you listening—I know some of you listening regularly—that you're you're going to make some bridle donkeys, and I can't wait to see some bridle donkeys for sure, um, you know, but. They gotta, they gotta have a reason why. You gotta make sure you are giving them a good reason why. Um, now, mulemanship two. This was interesting. Um, in this class, I had Vicky Lawson. You know, uh, who, who's been on this podcast, like I mentioned before. Um, you know, Yvonne. Uh, she's been to many clinics. Uh, uh, Barb Taylor. She's been to many clinics. Um, you know, some, some other great people and sky got to ride all week in this class too. And, um, you know, it was a good class. Mulemanship two is tough. If you're going to take a mulemanship two class from me, I highly, highly recommend, and I almost need to just require it to, that you have attended a mulemanship one. Um, not that you're not an experienced rider, not that you haven't, you know, done all these things on your own and got them going good, but just the type of, the way we communicate and the way I talk to you and learning kind of the lingo, learning kind of what I want you to do, it's so important. We had we had one individual come that she had never she'd never been to a clinic at all with me, um, let alone mealmanship one. And she had seen a few videos. Um, you know, but uh I felt so bad and, and my mealmanship one class was full. So I couldn't even move her to the mealmanship one because it was too full. Um, so she kind of had to stay there, and I felt bad because, you know, her meal was not prepared at all for the things that we're doing. You know, you if you're going to come to mealmanship too, you've got to have that soft feel, you know, working out pretty decent. At least pick it up and release it at the walk. Um, you got to have that going. you got to have uh, roll the hind, roll the front going pretty darn good. If you if you can do those basic pieces, then we start to glue them together. You know, really advanced work, mealmanship too work, these advanced pieces, they're really just basics 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 glued together the glue that holds them together is the, your relationship with your animal 
Um, anybody can get the basics. But to do the advanced work and to be successful at it, you got to have that glue. And that glue is a good relationship. So it's that combination. And it's particular. You know, it's not super rewarding as far as making huge changes. But you show up, you get some particular help on particular work. And so mealmanship, too, is a tons of, you know, hey, seat position, leg position, rein position. You know, do this, do that, be more particular. And it's it's a little tough. And uh, But these folks that came, they did so good at it. And, you know, I really enjoy mealmanship, too, a lot because I get to pull out the cones. And I have a whole bunch of different cone exercises that if we can get to them, you would all just love them because they're 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 hard, um, you know. They take time, and they make you think, which is a great combination of things. So, you know, we did that. But you know, I've talked before about people canceling the clinics, and you know, um, you know, just not showing up, and that's annoying. And it seems like it's getting easier for people to know to not show, and they don't say anything, but. Um, you know, we had a few people not just not show up for this for this membership two class, and I and I'm just thinking why, like, you know, why not? You know, because I, I would have showed up even if it was just them. You know, if if you if you're signed up for a clinic and there's and you're the only one in the class, guess what? I'm coming. Um, even if I lose money and spend money to drive across the country to go to that class, hey, I, I'll come and I'll help you. And you know, sometimes if there's only one person in mealmanship too, which there has been, you know, I'll say, hey, you know, do you want to just jump in the mealmanship one class? Um, because as much as you think one-on-one time is great, <laughs> you know, nine hours of one-on-one, you know, over three days is uh, can be pretty, pretty heavy. Um, but, you know what, I'm showing up for you. You know, you, you're listening to this podcast right now. You sign up for a clinic, I'm coming there for you, and you matter to me. Um and so, you know, sometimes when people just don't show up, kind of, you know, like, oh, come on, man. What, what if it, just, it was just you guys in the class, you know? But, you know, what's a little tougher yet is when people don't finish the classes. And we had, so we had three people um, j- j- didn't come the last day. And they went home. And I'm not really sure why they went home. And they've been to clinics before. I've, you know, they're, they're uh, I kind of consider a couple of them friends. Um you know, and uh, knowing them a long time, and they didn't come the last day, and they, uh, you know, didn't really say bye or anything. I just was like, "Hey, man, shoot," you know, because I'm I got plans. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, you don't really think about it, uh, maybe, but at the end of the day, I'm thinking about how my whole day went. I'm thinking about each one of you at the clinic. Okay, what what do we need to do for them? What do I need to do for them? Uh, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow to help that person. And I'm going to I'm going to ask them this uh, to get them thinking about that. And then we're going to work on this so that that helps them there. And I do that for you guys so that the next day will be better. And so, you know, I kind of got some plans. And, and then I come to class next day. And, you know, a class of six, three of them are gone. That's half the class. So, you know, but in that moment, you, you got to work. You know, as a clinician, you got to you just got to go through it. You got to work through that. And, um I did the best I could, you know. I said, hey, you know what? In my mind, I'm saying, dang, you know, where are they at? Um, but then I'm saying, hey, you know what? These these ladies, these three amazing ladies that are here, I'm going to help them, and I'm going to make it the best clinic that they've ever had, the best class they've ever had. And, and we got busy. We went through, you know, our we did a bunch of work on turnarounds. We did a bunch of soft field progressions. 
we did our in and out cone exercise and uh, our simple lead change exercise and we had a heck of a fourth day in mealmanship too so i just want to give a shout out to those three and of course sky sky was part of it too uh, but those those three especially for hanging in there with me um, and finishing you know um, i want you guys to be successful and these classes and these clinics those of you if you're listening and you've never been to a clinic these clinics are progressive so each day you get better and better um, this clinic was a four-day clinic so usually third day things are going really good the fourth day is amazing for everyone and i wish i could do four-day clinics everywhere i went because that fourth day you see some amazing changes it's really really cool so uh thank you all for hanging in there with me it's the last day you know a couple other highlights that i just wanted to mention was i love i love food i love when there's food at the clinics okay and this is fun um you know, every night, at, you know, this clinic we had a, we had somebody there catering all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You could buy all three meals and snacks and drinks and whatever you needed were there. So, um, you know, everybody that went, they could just show up there and not have to worry about food, not have to worry about coolers and ice and whatever, and they could just show up and have fun. And um, the best part about it, though, was eating dinner together every evening. Each evening... Um, we, we ate together and visited and talked and and uh, discussed the day. And, you know, a lot of them kind of treated it as a question and answer session, which was really fun. And I, I don't mind that, you know. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of clinicians that, you know, at the end of the day, they're, you know, you ain't going to see them even if there is dinner. But, hey, you know what, if there's dinner there and we can visit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit with you all, you know. And I, and I appreciated that. And uh, it was good to eat dinner and hang out with everybody and talk and, if you that's the, that's the easiest way to get me to get me to show up to your circle is if there's food there i'll i'll find my way over and uh anyways um but that was just really enjoyable sitting in the shade visiting talking and and uh it's amazing what the meals do you know the people that the meals bring together it's so cool you know there were people of all different backgrounds here uh different careers different lifestyles, um, you know, um, all, all things different. I mean, it, it's it's interesting, you know, um, and we all have meals in common, and it's amazing that that's what brings us together. So that was pretty neat. I'll have to give you my highlight of the clinic, though. <laughs> my highlight was, was John, and those of you that have been to the clinic, in Creston, they're listening. You know who who John is, and those of you that don't, I hope you can meet John someday. But you know, John's got this amazing white beard that hangs down about a foot from his chin, and and he's got this mule named Pistol. And while we're working on the transitions, you know, we he you know he's been working on trying to get this mule to lope, and last year he had trouble, and this year he got Pistol open easily which was just a great thing he it was you know it was easy for him this year he got him loping and he got him open so quick we were joking that that he was going so fast that that wind it parted his beard you know and and it blew it back on either side of him like he's santa claus or something like he's just going so fast and and uh you know we kind of i made that joke about him a little bit and you know we all laughed and uh uh i just that was that was like a, a highlight moment for me, you know, seeing him 
you know, last year having trouble getting that mule to lope. This year being able to lope it right off and just cruising around there and that beard of his just flying in the wind. So that was a lot of fun. But another great clinic, a lot of great people. There's so many people that, I mean, oh, there's a lot of people to mention, you know. And if I didn't mention you, don't take it personal. Um, there's so many great stories. A lot of people that asked really good questions, um, you know. Uh, and we had everything in the clinic from donkeys to mules to to retired bucking horses. My friend Natalie rode a retired bucking horse, and it reminded me of the good old days when I used to rodeo. She she's on this big old draft cross, and it's got a brand on its hip. A, I think it was a '46 brand on its hip, and just reminded me of the rodeo days, you know. And uh, it's interesting them half draft animals. They're pretty popular, especially in the outfitter world, and um, but they're buckers. They're buckers, and I got one to talk about on the next clinic debrief, our first day here in Whitehall. We got a, a draft cross to talk about. It's a little bit of a bucker here, too. So, But, uh, hey, I think that's pretty good for today. You know, um, if you are from Washington or Oregon or Idaho and you, you're around there, or even those of you up there listening in, in old B.C., uh, British Columbia, you know, hey, you ought to come come out to, to Creston. We, we have a good time, four days this clinic was sold out by January. We put it on the, the, the website and it was full by January and, and, uh, stayed full. And, uh, it was just a great time. So with that, I will leave it. And, uh, I wish you guys a, a great day wherever you are in this amazing world. I hope you have a great day with your mules, your horses, your donkeys, and with your family, uh, And until I see you down the road, God bless you and take care.